Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is a Lenten refresher. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so as we tape this, Ash Wednesday is next week, and you and Deacon Bonnie are gearing up for a series of classes on the covenants of baptism. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about aspects of Lent in the past, but we decided perhaps a quick refresher ahead of the series of podcasts that we're planning to go along with those classes would not be remiss. So, Lent. Let's go basic. What is it? Lent is a season of the church calendar year. So it's not a single day or a single Sunday. It's not a single Sunday. It's not an event that happens like Christmas or Easter. Lent is an entire season. Okay. And it lasts for 40 days plus five Sundays. Okay. So longer than Advent. Yes, longer than Advent. Yep. Advent is four weeks. Lent is five Sundays, 40 days. Okay, so why 40 days? It's based in uh, recognition, and this is an old festival, not really festival season. It's one of those things that comes from actually out of the Council of Nicaea. Okay. So it goes way back into church history. It's not a part of scripture. Like Jesus doesn't say, you will fast for 40 days to honor me. That was going to be one of my questions coming up. (laughs) I guessed as much. It's not coming out of the Bible in that way. It is something that the Council of Nicaea, the early church kind of organizers, said that we should observe this season leading up to Easter. And what it is, is it's a time where we echo Jesus's time in the desert. Okay. So Jesus is baptized by John in the River Jordan when he's 33. And then immediately following that baptism, he is taken into the desert. And this is in all of our Gospels. Okay. And he spends 40 days and 40 nights in the desert by himself. And in that time, we see an encounter with the devil. And it's the temptation. Jesus is shown various different things that could be temptations to him. His ability to create anything it is that he needs. Sure, the whole water to wine thing. Right. Or in this case, he said, you know, turn these stones into bread and Jesus declines. We see later in the Gospels that Jesus does make abundant food for an entire community, but not just for himself. We see him be tempted to put himself at risk because angels will keep him from being harmed. And he refuses to put himself at unnecessary risk just because he knows that he would be taken care of by God. He doesn't need a trust exercise with the angels to know that he's loved by God. There you go. Yeah, right? And then we see him tempted to be in control and be in power over and the entire world. And he declines having that power over And so it's this opportunity for us to see that Jesus, who has the capacity to make himself extremely comfortable, incredibly powerful, and free from all harm, 
say no to all of those things. And so each year we take 40 days, we take basically a tithe, 10% of the year, and we sit with these ideas and spend time intentionally with them leading up to Holy Week and his crucifixion and resurrection. Now, these stories, are they strung out over a series of weeks or do you have just the one story of temptation and then you have a story of this and you have a story of that? What kind of through line do you have as far as the lectionary is concerned? As far as the lectionary is concerned, we hear the temptation passage just on Ash Wednesday. Oh, okay. Which is really interesting, right? And then the rest of Lent are different pieces of the story and part of the journey moving forward. But it's not that we spend all of Lent looking one day at this particular temptation and another day at this next temptation. So it's mostly just on Ash Wednesday that you're going to hear that part of our story that inspires the season of Lent. So then what do you hear? So this year we are in cycle year B of our lectionary cycle. So for folks who are remembering, we have a three-year cycle. And in year B, it's interesting in Lent, we get like a spattering of Gospels. We hear from the Gospel of Mark, we hear from the Gospel of John, and we even hear, if we do the Annunciation service on March 25th, you get to hear from Luke. So it's a Mark and John year. Okay. And so we get a couple of days in Mark where the first Sunday in Lent, it's the baptism and going out into the desert. The second Sunday of Lent, he starts talking about the cross and that the cross is coming. Okay. And trying to help the disciples understand that. And then we get for the third Sunday of Lent will be that scene where Jesus comes into the temple yard and flips the tables. Oh, I believe we did an entire podcast about that one in terms of destruction of property. Yep. And civil disobedience, Mm -hmm. right? And then the fourth Sunday in Lent, we will hear the passage that includes John 3.16, which is so familiar to folks. Oh, yes. So... This is sometimes lovingly referred to as the Nick at night passage. Okay. (laughs) Because this is Nicodemus who comes at night to Jesus in that conversation. I think we may have done a podcast on that one as well. We have. And then on the fifth Sunday in Lent, we're going to get, it's hard to describe this one. This is a moment in time where Jesus is trying to tell people that it's going to be hard to follow. And then a voice comes from heaven and the community hears the voice of God saying to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's a very challenging John passage to preach. So, but it's trying, it's kind of lifting up the divinity of Jesus as well as the oncoming challenge that is coming in in the cross okay. very swiftly. And then the following Sunday is the Palm Sunday. And this year we're going to do just Palm Sunday. We're not going to do Palm and Passion Sunday. We're going to do just Palm Sunday. Okay. And so that's the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. That's kind of the overview of all the gospel passages that we'll hear throughout Lent. But this year 
we're doing a study as a congregation on kind of baptismal living and how how is it that our promises that we make in baptism, the covenants that we make in baptism, how do they impact our daily lives and our faithful living within the community on a regular basis? And so each week we will be hearing about one of those covenants. Okay. And that's what we're going to be doing our next series of podcasts on. So if this idea intrigues you as you're listening, please come back and listen in the next coming weeks. Absolutely. Okay. So this Lent thing is all well and good. As a kid who grew up Catholic, Mm -hmm. it is well known on this podcast that I really did not like Lent. (laughs) Because all it was to me was a season where I'm supposed to give something up. Yep. And I never wanted to. One of the beauty parts is when I became Lutheran, y'all don't give stuff up. Not always. Not always. Nope, people can. You're invited if people want to. If you choose to. Mm -hmm. But it's not like a requirement. Oh, yeah. Same thing with fish on Fridays. That was a requirement. (laughs) Right, right, right. So whose idea was it to give stuff up? Because obviously Martin Luther must not have really cared one way or another. You know, I don't know where the actual fasting started. I know that the Council of Nicaea implemented Lent, but the idea of a fast and fasting practices, maybe it came out of that at that time as well. If anyone knows out there in the world off the top of their head where that began in, please send it. But the idea of fasting and giving of alms and these traditions of things that we do during Lent, particularly that the Roman Catholic adherents do or that even Eastern Orthodox religions participate in in this time, mm-hmm. very strategic and very intentional fasting and actions. Those things are old. They've been around for a long time. People have been observing Lent in that way for a very long time. Martin, with his... Focus on grace. It could be that Lutherans didn't hold on to that practice because we don't need to earn God's love. Mm -hmm. And so our action, we don't have to earn it. But I actually don't know if Martin got rid of fasting. The same way he got rid of the extra sacraments. Right. Or spoke against it. Sure. Didn't qualify it as such. Yeah. I don't know. But in the time that I've been a part of the Lutheran faith, it's something people can do. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly talked about like it's a normal thing to give something up for Lent or to take something on for Lent Mm -hmm. to choose to create a new habit, but it's not a requirement. And part of that falls back to we don't believe that works are required for God's love. Mm -hmm. There was nothing more disappointing to me than the first Lent as a Lutheran and my husband saying, hey, it kind of sounds like fun to give something up. Maybe I'll do that this year. Oh, no. (laughs) Please, no. I finally don't have to. Finally can avoid it. And you're thinking it's fun? I know. That's awesome. Okay, so I was so steeped into that. I'm curious. If you didn't really grow up going to church, what did Lent and Easter mean to you? Anything? I didn't even know what Lent was. Not even on your radar. Mm -mm, Not even on my radar as a kid. So the first time I experienced it would have been in college. And I remember... One of the first Lents that I had heard about, like, and I kind of was experiencing as a person of faith or a person of curiosity in their faith, what I gave up for Lent was unnecessary spending. Okay. And 
I tried to save enough money to buy, I think it was a Van Gogh umbrella from okay. the student union. <laughs> this all makes perfect sense. Right? 18, 19 years old, something like that. Desperately learning how to manage money and to not just buy pretty things that come along. And so that was my first Lenten discipline. And I will say that it was probably one of the most powerful disciplines that I experienced. And part of that is because it was my first year. Okay. But it was fascinating. And I don't know if I really understood it as a contemplation of Jesus's journey as much as I experienced it as an opportunity to practice religious discipline. Okay. To practice letting what I believe impact the way that I live. Was that useful or helpful? I think it was an experience. Sure. You know, and it wasn't harmful for sure. No, I'm curious because you did it as a choice. And mm -hmm. for me, it was always something required. Mm-hmm how you come at that from different angles and what right. that means for the whole thing. Right. And the experience of it mm -hmm. and the choice in it. And again, choosing it as an adult, even a young adult, choosing mm -hmm. it when older versus having it be something that you do as a child. When you got to seminary, what kind of emphasis was there on Lent? Was it its own special area of study or is it just another part of everything else? Another part of everything else. Okay. Yeah. It seems like such a, an important time of the church calendar. I'm kind of fascinated that they don't devote a little more to it. Right. I think it's definitely something that can be an opportunity for folks to really link up daily life with belief. It's easy to live our lives and just relegate our faith influence to Sunday mornings right? To say that this is how I practice my faith is by showing up for worship on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And Lent really challenges that and says, bring your faith, let your faith influence your daily decisions, either by what you are eating or how you are spending or any of those things, right? And so I think that the practices of fasting and giving extra gifts and tithes and alms taking on acts of service, that those things, it's a time of year that really tries to help us understand how, how the things that we believe can change our choices in our day-to-day -day life. Have you always, as a Lutheran pastor, done some sort of a study around the weekly Lenten services? Because that's something else I don't remember from my Catholic upbringing. So I don't remember there being a special Wednesday night anything. You had your giving up, you had your no meat on Fridays, and all the other little things. But that sort of weekly study, is that something that has always been, as far as you understand? And how do you plan for something like that? Because I'm guessing you want to switch it up every year. That's a good question. It is something that has been a part of each congregation that I have served. And I think it's partially because it is a concrete set amount of time. Sure. And so it's easy for people to contemplate, yeah, for five weeks, I'm going to go have a soup supper and I'm going to have an education time and a short worship service partway through the week, some midweek services. And our community doesn't do that in Advent. 
Mm-hmm. Other communities I've served have done that in both Lent and Advent. Okay. And almost because it's these are short but set seasons that are recognizable within the church calendar year mm-hmm. versus like the season after Pentecost that just goes on forever. Exactly. <laughs> right. Or Epiphany. The season of Epiphany is another one that is... It's like, ee, it's a Pico season. It's a set. It's here. But because it changes how long it is from mm-hmm. year to year, and it's in January, right after the turn of the year, and everyone is still like recovering, mm-hmm. I don't know of like an Epiphany study that gets <laughs> done in any kind of regular way. But you know that Lent is going to be five weeks. You know that Advent is going to be four weeks. And so it's easy to plan for a specific topic to be a a topic of study during that time. And yeah, it does change up every year. It is a different opportunity each year to kind of find where a congregation is and what is the topic that will be the topic that needs to be addressed. And each congregation is going to do it different in the sense that education is vastly different from context to context. Mm -hmm. Some congregations do small group studies and some congregations like lecture style. So depending upon who your congregation is and what it is that they're looking for, you create the opportunity that will reach them. And this year with the pandemic, right, we're planning it all online. Mm -hmm. And so how you have a class online is vastly different than how you run an educational class when you're in person. Oh, that's so sadly true. And we're not going to get to have the soup supper together. No. So that's another piece of the fellowship that we'll be missing. And maybe you had some ideas. So maybe we'll find ways to reincorporate that in, even in the midst of pandemic. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's going to lead me to my last question. As I said before, Lent, not my favorite, Mm -hmm. but for you, it is. I like it. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite part? Would you say? What is my favorite part of Lent? I like the intentionality of it. Yeah. I like the opportunity to try a new discipline, a new spiritual discipline. I love Advent for the same reason, just that chance to try and find a way into a deeper abiding and intentional practice. Now, whether or not I do it, that's a whole different conversation. Sure. I mean, I am but a human. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm thinking back to all the things that I have supposedly given up in the past. And (laughs) let's just say that most of them didn't really stick for one reason or another. (laughs) It's hard. It is. It is. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for helping us with a little Lenten refresher. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. We look forward to exploring the baptismal covenants with you in the weeks to come. We look forward to welcoming Deacon Bonnie onto the podcast with us as a special guest for the next couple of weeks. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.